everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. Edmonton's Chinese community is more diverse and dynamic than ever. But these changes bring big challenges, not just with COVID-19, but with long-term work to keep culture and language alive across generations and to reach out across cultural boundaries. In this episode, contributors Chris Chang-Yen Phillips and Sophia Yang host a Zoom chat with Karen Tang and Sarah Chan to think through these challenges and opportunities over lunch. Karen Tang works in public health and health promotion and is a member of the Edmonton Community Foundation Board. Sarah Chan is a musician, social advocate, and active fundraiser for organizations like the United Way. Just a heads up, listeners, there will be talk about delicious eats, so you might want to arm yourself with snacks as we dive in. Now let's throw it over to Chris. So I'm Chris Chang and Phillips, uh, and I'm joined today by my uh, co-producer, Sophia Young. And today we're going to talk a little bit um, with some guests about the Chinese communities in Edmonton, parts that are thriving, parts that are struggling a little bit and could use a little bit more support. And we're doing it while we're sharing lunch over Zoom uh, from a couple different places. Uh, We're all in our separate homes. Hi, my name is Karen Tang. Uh, I work in public health and health promotion, and I am a member of the Edmonton Community Foundation Board. Hey, I am Sarah Chan. I am a musician, social advocate, and mother of two. And uh, we've each uh, picked some food that uh, shows off sides of Edmonton's Chinese communities. Sophia, over to you. All right, let's start with the food we ordered today. Uh, I guess the icebreaker questions I prepared for this meeting is like, why did you choose to order from this restaurant? And how did you learn about this restaurant? Did someone recommend it to you or you just uh, pass it someday like randomly? So uh, who wants to start? What about Karen? I ordered a few things. So I'm currently eating uh, spicy wonton and the crossing bridge noodles from the Silk Road, which is on Calgary Trail. And this is a, um, this is like a Yunnan style restaurant, uh, but because it's also a Southern region, it borrows a lot of flavors from Sichuan province, which is where I'm from. And I feel like every time I go there, uh, while it's not perfect, it still reminds me a lot of home. Um, and that's my restaurant choice today. Uh, we also ordered from Happy Noodles, uh, Mr. Wong's Happy Noodles. Uh, he's someone who, who, who is a home cook and um, I got to know him just by working downtown and a lot of my colleagues ordered these very typical Xi'an styled clear noodles um, from him and he, he, he delivers. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of spoke to him at length about what is Xi'an noodle and why is it so, so unique and different. Um, and I was craving this because I was craving his particular dish. Um, I also felt, you know, it's a, it's a part of the country where 
I, I visited when I was very young and was just, you know, it was, I don't, it was weird, but it was the first time I really felt, wow, China is so big. And I've never been to this part of the country until, you know, at that time when I was traveling and just thinking about the diversity of flavors of food, of the cultures, you know, within a country, it was the first time it really dawned on me. And actually, so I got some for Sarah as well. Um, unfortunately, I'm so sorry. So this, you, you actually couldn't eat it because it is gluten. It's um, <laughs> the word liang pi is the noodle. Uh, and liang pi, you know, is characterized by like smooth and clear uh, and soft and like the, you know, the texture is very bouncy, you can say. Um, but they can be made with rice or wheat, but they're all called liang pi. And so I didn't know that until, you know, I found out yesterday. That sounds like so delicious. <laughs> I've only on for so long. But uh, today I got <laughs> what it's called again. Oh, it's pan fried bao. It's called shengjian in Chinese. It's a, a type of small pan fried baozi, which is a specialty of Shanghai. It's typically filled with pork and chives that it melts into soup or liquid when you cook them. And it has been like one of the most common breakfast dishes in Shanghai since early 20th century. But now you can eat Shenzhen for like any time of the day. They're like pork buns. They're so crispy. I ordered them from uh, Bao Bao on Jasper app. This is the first time I ordered from there, actually. It's like one of my friends recommended this to me yesterday. And I trust him a lot because he's like the master of potatoes. He eats potatoes every day, which is not very healthy, but <laughs> he has like specialty in this. So yeah. Right, next, let's have Sarah. What did you order? Um, well, Karen got me the noodles because I figured uh, she had the down low on what was super authentic and good and local and all of those things are true i'm just going to eat them anyways so hey. like it won't it won't ruin my life or anything uh i have other things going on in my life that uh oh, where wherein i am supposed to omit gluten from my diet but um i'm doing a work thing and i really tried my best and this is a deliberate deliberate choice and i'm good with that it's really delicious they are bouncy um they've got a great texture it's very fresh tasting and I like that it is vegetarian and the sprouts I'm a huge fan of and a sauce. It's like kind of a really light, um, almost, I'm eating it cold. I, I'm assuming you can eat it hot if you want. I'm eating it cold and it's a bit uh, sesame peanutty, but really light. And then I also ordered, uh, because I have other people living in my home, and the noodles were mostly just for me. I did an order from Padmanati. So I have another noodle dish here with um, Shanghai noodles and Chinese cabbage, bok choy and taofu. Uh, and uh, yeah, that is stir fried. And there is, what's happening out there? There's, oh, I also have a salad uh, with just lots of awesome crunchy greens with uh, again, like a peanutty sauce. And the kids mm -hmm. are eating spring rolls. By the way- Which what I- Oh. oh, yes. Uh, it's meant to be eaten cold because the liang pi, the liang actually means cold. It's like cold noodle. Cold slice. Oh. Mm. In Cantonese, it's dong. <laughs> so um, it's funny. Certain things translate from Mandarin to Cantonese really well, and other things, not at all. 
I always thought monkey was really funny because like my zodiac is a monkey. And so in Cantonese, it's malao. And then in Mandarin, it's like haozu, which mm-hmm. are totally not the same thing at all. Um, the kids, uh, I was always made fun of by my parents for liking things like spring rolls because they were like, oh, you're like, that's not even Chinese. You're so not Chinese. But I'm like, you know what? I like what I like. And <laughs> now my kids like it too. So, ha. Huh. And Chris, what did you so get? I, I intentionally picked um, what I thought maybe most Edmontonians would think of as kind of the Chinese cuisine that they're familiar with, which is like Cantonese style stuff from Chinatown. I ordered from uh, Saiwu, which uh, I first heard about from Marty Chan. Um, and then uh, my friend Allie took me to like a Chinese New Year dinner there with her family a while ago. And I love this place because A, the food is really good and it's like pretty cheap and very filling. Um, but also it kind of captures some of the cool stories of Chinatown in it. Like. Um, the food is Cantonese and a lot of the first waves of Chinese people who came to Edmonton were from um, Guangdong province where Cantonese food is from. Um, but also they have lanterns inside Saiwu that originally hung in a different restaurant called Lai Chi Garden further down 97th street mm-hmm. at like the south end of current day Chinatown. And that restaurant was demolished as part of the, uh, like the buildings that were cleared out to make way for Canada Place. So it. It kind of encapsulates different eras of Chinatown, I think. In Edmonton, Saiwu is an institution. Like, it's been there oh, yeah, forever. Definitely. Oh, and I forgot to mention what I got. I got the mushroom egg fuyang, which is mm. um, super delicious and very gooey and just like a gigantic slab of eggs and bean sprouts and mushrooms. And um, yeah, super gooey, very delicious. So um, we wanted to start with the food because we wanted to gives listeners like a little window into the next thing we want to talk about, which is what is one thing that y'all think is underappreciated or maybe not well known enough about the Chinese community in Edmonton? Um, Sarah, did you want to start on that one? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I was giving this a bit of thought and in terms of like underappreciated or or like kind of under unknown or I don't know, um, subculture, because I guess for I mean, as a Chinese Edmontonian, um, I never really go around thinking of myself as like a Chinese Edmontonian. I just think about myself as an Edmontonian. And I guess we're all just running around and doing our things. And, you know, when I was little, I never thought that like the way we ate dinner or the food we ate, I I didn't have a salad until I was like a teenager. I didn't even really know what that was because I'm like, why would people eat their vegetables cold? That's weird. (laughs) And and, um, also... You know, I was like the only person in my class who did like ancestral worship. Um, I'm the only, like, it was weird to go to like a friend's house for dinner and be given like a giant plate of food when I was used to eating with like my little bowl. Um, And so, you know, you don't realize that there's anything different about you sometimes. But if you actually think about it, uh, the cool thing is there's so many of us that are just kind of being Edmontonian, but also Chinese at the same time. And a huge thing that's changed from when I was little to now is that I I don't think people understand how diverse Edmonton is, even within its Chinese population. Because in the 80s, I think it was, you know, smaller nodes of communities, and it's just opened up so much more. And so now if you see a Chinese person in Edmonton, it's not likely that they would be from the same place, or not even likely that they might speak the same dialect. 
And um, we have a huge diverse representation of Chinese people in Edmonton and they're all over the city too. So um, yeah, I don't know if we realize how much is going on here with our Chinese population and so many of uh, the members of the Chinese community here are involved in charitable and philanthropic endeavors uh, to help promote culture and education. So that might be something that people don't know. Yeah, I guess the next questions we're going to pass on you is like, what do you think might help people know more about these important yet not well-known things about Chinese community? Uh, let's have Karen first. You know, I think about, so I've spent some time in Montreal, I've spent some time here, and I think my experiences kind of with the, you know, the Chinese community in both places is very different. And I actually think out here, because uh, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're in the West, we're in the prairies, and um, I think there's a longer history of migration. Uh, I actually find sort of Chinese businesses, Chinese culture, in some ways it's kind of, it's always been there. Um, and it's very much part of people's, you know, every day to some degree. And I think there's been a lot of work at the community level um, of getting information out there, raising awareness. Um, I think those things help. And I, I wanna see those efforts amplified because in recent years, whenever like I go to something, I, I, I do find it tends to be kind of the same groups of people. Um, the community is small and you really get to know everybody, but I think there needs to be stronger intercultural linkages um, and not see ourselves as in isolation. And particularly when it comes to some of the, 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 the newer, like the newcomers, um, I know sometimes because of language differences, because of cultural norms, people tend to perhaps stay in their enclaves for programming and activity. But I know, you know, in the past year or so, there's more use of terms like intercultural and, you know, we have to work with other communities. We have to um, connect more with a mainstream society, for example, because otherwise we're just talking about our own, own issues in our own bubbles and it's not gonna gain a whole lot of traction. So I think forming some of those intercultural bridges would be a way to amplify that effort. Well, and I think a way to riff on that would be to create, and we, we, I think we do a good job of this, but I think like Karen said, this could be amplified too, um, a way gathering like places to gather and times of the year that are very significant for us. So obviously I'm thinking Chinese New Year um, is a huge opportunity, you know, to literally get people on the streets, um, you know, to watch a dragon dance and, you know, to um, eat yummy things and see your friends. And I know uh, West Edmonton Mall, I know Bonnie Dune Mall, I know a bunch of the kind of places you can gather uh, have very open invitations for the community at large to come and participate in these cultural events that are super fun. And uh, I think that's a really kind of easy way to just take yourself out of your ordinary and, um, participate in something that's cultural, but also integrative citywide. And I believe a bunch of the, if my children are in uh, Wushu and they go to Jihong College and um, several of the students in their class like aren't even Chinese anyways. And it's just great to see so many people uh, participating in, 
you know, fitness and uh, meditation and mindful movement. And it's also a Tai Chi college. And so you have all of these awesome professionals from all walks of life, from all different cultures coming to do uh, Tai Gig together. And I think more uh, opportunities to participate in celebration and recreation would be great gateways into accessing the Chinese community and bringing people together in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. um, and just on that piece about education, I think in Edmonton, we have something, you know, we have the bilingual education program, which I've never really seen a model to the scale that, that we've done it here in other places. And I think this is something really, really unique and not just for obviously Chinese language, but many, many others, Ukrainian, Polish, German, et cetera. Um, and it does feel really, and that's, I think that's part of why it, it, if I feel like some of these com com components are more embedded. Um, and I think a lot of those schools, you know, students who go are, are not Chinese, um, as you say, Sarah. And uh, that's kind of, to me, a bit of that bridging and um, you know cross-cultural connection and and uh, but that's been that that's kind of seen as I think a bit of everyday life. Um, I do think though you know been been going to the Heritage Festival you know for many years and I and I do think celebration is important and I think many aspects including food that we're talking about today dance, music, um, these components are important. I think what I'm more concerned about is they, they, they might stay at the surface, that we might, not, we might never really kind of get beyond that and getting to know the other. Um, like a while ago, you know, I, I, I wrote an op-ed about, you know, about the importance of voting rights for permanent residents in local elections. And I, and I feel like if we truly want to be an intercultural society, um, if we want, fully want to embrace the diversity, we have to embrace it not just with things that to me are on the surface, but more, I think, deeper rights, uh, it, you know, issues of justice, issues of you know, anti-discrimination, et cetera, and, and fully embrace that and not be seen as these are issues that are only affecting those people, but it's actually issues affecting all of us. So. Um Sarah and Karen, both of you are very active in civic issues and um, fundraising for stuff that's important in the community. So I'm curious, what are what's one thing that each of you thinks um, that's happening in the Chinese community that you think could use more financial support to be more successful? Um, Karen, do you want to start on that? Yeah, so some of the trends that I've been seeing in, um, again, in some of the newer, uh, newer communities are emerging is that people tend to be pretty insular. You know, you can fundraise within your community because, you know, people are generous. You know, business will sponsor things. Um, and I don't think it's actually hard to rally a group of people to do things, to raise money. Um, but that money also stays within the community. And I think to, in order to amplify that, um, and sometimes I think it's people, because people don't know what's out there. They're not necessarily connected to perhaps some of the bigger institutional organizations uh, that's been around for a while. Um, so I think part of it is bridging that knowledge um, and that gap, because I think once we can kind of cross over that threshold of not being insular anymore, we can access resources that can, that can achieve outcomes like interculturalism, like, you know, like intergenerational dialogue, for example, uh, anti-racism activities on a much bigger level, much bigger scale. Uh, so, I mean, part of 
part of my hope is that we, and it's not just, and it's true not just for the Chinese communities, for, for, for a lot of groups that is that we, we don't, that we're not so insular. And I think fundraising and I think community organizing are mechanisms that can help break that. And so you're currently working on an initiative um, that'll be an endowment fund uh, set up at the Edmonton Community Foundation uh, for some of these purposes. Do you want to um, explain a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. So last winter, um, I set up a fund called the Edmonton Chinese Cultural Legacy Fund uh, with a few friends at the Edmonton Community Foundation. And as an endowment, you know, every year this fund will grow uh, with the overall endowment, and every year it will generate small grants, which will also grow as the fund grows. Um, and that small grant will kind of go back to the community to achieve a certain number of goals. There's a few, and I kind of got pretty extensive feedback on some of these, um, but that includes addressing things like intergenerational relationship building, interculturalism, um, you know, supporting people who are in long-term difficulties in, in the community, achieving things like equity, justice, quality of life, skill development, and maintaining, you know, arts, culture, and language alive, and revitalizing or enhancing centers of Chinese um, culture, like uh, Edmonton's Chinatown, but there are other pockets as well. Yeah, thanks for explaining some of the background of that. Um, and and Sarah, um, you do a ton of fundraising for organizations around town too. Um, what what are you thinking of right now, especially amid COVID nineteen and the pandemic, about things happening in the Chinese community that could use more financial support right now? In terms of immediate financial support, I don't know if I isolate it to just thinking about like what does a Chinese community need because it's what does the community at large need. Um, most of my work uh, out there has been under the umbrella of United Way, and I also work very closely with Big Brothers Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club, uh, in addition to a whole bunch of other things that I support, but those are the big ones. And it's focused very heavily on, my interest specifically is focused very heavily on um, education, students and leadership, and children's and families, and early intervention and education um, and support for families, education for students, support for their families. And um, a huge part of our Chinese community um, and our families in the Chinese community fall within um, many of the schools that we work with. And um, not necessarily bilingual programs. Some of them are like full day K schools. Uh, others are, uh, well, the, and the one thing I think is really important, COVID or not, is, um, supporting the Chinese bilingual, uh, I think, association, which is what Karen kind of, uh, she um, referred to earlier. And that's the bilingual program that they have in partnership with Edmonton Public School Boards. And um, my niece and my nephew go to a Chinese bilingual school. And it's great because even within families where you, you know, are Chinese, it, uh, so many Chinese people don't speak the language anymore. Um, myself, I'm super fluent in Cantonese, but I'm essentially illiterate. I can't really read much. And um, that's actually something on my list of things to do, which I feel very confident about. But uh, yeah, and there's like gaps missing in a bunch of our education. And so there's education at large, you know, for our community period. And then, it, you know, even more support required for vulnerable populations. And then, in addition to that, um, supporting 
bilingual programs to ensure that our cultures are intact and that the tether that young people have to their families and their ancestors um, is given a vehicle through education. Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate that, Sarah. Um, you know, I know for myself, having a child who's half Chinese, um, I think it is really important for me to think about how can she remain grounded in that part of her identity in Edmonton? Um, you know, how can she continue to live in a thriving city with such vibrant, diverse cultures and where she can very proudly identify as a Chinese um, and have people that she can go to to feel part of that community? And I think education certainly is a really big piece. Uh, you know, our daughter is not quite at school age, but I think just having the bilingual option there is a huge deal uh, for us, like even coming to Edmonton. I think we're gonna have to wrap up there. Um, this is fascinating. Thanks to, uh, th thanks for sharing your thoughts. Karen and Sarah, uh, where can people find out more or get involved in some of the initiatives you've talked about? Uh, Sarah, do you wanna go first? Um, Edmonton uh, Chinese Bilingual Association, mm -hmm. just go Google it and they, yeah, it's all on there and come out and party. I think for me, it's, I'm more of a like uh, recreation, celebration, social convener, because I feel as though that's an entry point, um, but, but that's me. So I would say, and I mean, with my other work, myunitedway.ca, because that's where I do my, all my other stuff. Thanks. And Karen? I'll just say, you know, if you want to learn more about the work of Community Foundation, please visit ecfoundation.org. Thanks. Thanks very much to Chris Chang-Yen Phillips and Sophia Yang for bringing us this story. Yeah, if you're curious about how to engage more with Edmonton's Chinese community, we'll have all sorts of links in the show notes, including a link to the Chinese Cultural Legacy Fund you heard Karen talk about. And don't forget to check out our blog at ecfoundation.org. We're continuing to post stories about all the community programs supported through our Rapid Response Fund. ECF is continuing to grant from our regular granting streams, so we'll also have links to upcoming grants and deadlines. Be sure to check out these funding opportunities. Show notes is the place to be. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to share it with your friends and family. Gather this podcast with your favorite flowers and place them at your neighbor's door. Or you can just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find us. And you can visit us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul. And Elizabeth Bonkink. Until, Until next, next time. time. Flawless. <laughs> the Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at The ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.